Romans, the 12th chapter, and the third verse. Uh, Romans, the 12th chapter, and the third verse. Says, uh, it says this, For I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. And what I want to center in on here is not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. You know, we should think highly of ourselves because, you know, if we're saved, we're in Christ, you know. And uh, being in Christ, we're somebody. And so we ought to think highly of ourselves, all right, but not more highly than we ought. Not more highly than we ought. And so I'm titling this tonight, Two Ditches. Two Ditches. Two Ditches. There's a ditch on either side of the road. One ditch is to think too highly of yourself, and the other ditch is to think too lowly of yourself. Now, if you think too highly of yourself, see, we're supposed to think highly of ourselves, but not more highly than we ought. And if you think too highly of yourself, that's pride. You understand that? And if you think too lowly, that's inferiority. And see, there's a ditch on either side of the road, either the ditch of pride or the ditch of inferiority. Now, the devil doesn't care which ditch you are in, just as long as you're in one of them. Because while you are in either ditch, you will not be able to receive from God. Do you understand that? And and there is a ditch. And and I found that people, because I've met a lot of people over the years, and I include myself in this, tend to one ditch or the other. Tend to one ditch or the other. Tend to either having problems with pride or tend to have problems with inferiority. Now, you need to realize if you're in either ditch, you can't receive from God. Now, you, you need to realize that a person in pride cannot receive from God. Uh, the Bible says God resists the proud. You, you understand it? Now, I just feel impressed to say this, but when people say, I don't need any help, well, we all need help, don't we? When people say, I, I, don't, I don't need that, I don't need to, to come to church, or I don't need to sit under the Word of God. Well, now, that's just another way of saying that you're in pride. Is that correct? Now, now is that right? Now, you know, none of us have arrived yet. Is that right? You know what I mean by that? And, and so the Bible says, you, you know, you can look it up, James 4 and 6, God resists the proud. He resists the proud. And as long as you're in pride, in the ditch of pride, you can't receive from God. 
And if you're on the other side in, in inferiority, you can't receive from him either. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews that we need to come boldly to the throne of grace. And if you're in inferiority, you will not be able to approach the throne of God with boldness. The Bible talks about, you know, Hebrews 4.16. You can look it up. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And if you are in inferiority, you will not be able to approach God boldly as you should. Do you hear me? And so there's a ditch on either side of the road, a ditch of pride and a ditch of inferiority. Now, talk about myself here just briefly. Uh, growing up as a, young, as a youngster, uh, I, was, I, I had more problems with pride, more problems with pride. And uh, where I first noticed it was in seventh grade. Uh, and uh, I remember we had intramurals after school activities and, and uh, I was a pretty good tennis player and uh, back then even. And I remember going to the intramurals and the coach, uh, he was actually a science teacher. He was doing the intramurals and, and there was about eight or ten guys that came and, and he began to go over the, you know, the rules for tennis and, and I was just there, you know, just like I didn't, didn't need to hear what he said because I already knew everything he said and, and was going to say and what he was saying and I was just not really paying any attention, you know, because I already knew all of that and... and uh, uh, I, he, he, he just kind of took the tennis racket and kind of bopped me on the head with it. <laughs> and he said, uh, you, know, you know everything, don't you? <laughs> and I got to thinking and, and I began to see at that time. And then later on, one of my good friends, his, his little brother, I'll never forget it, made the statement. And this was, oh, probably when I was in ninth grade, he made the statement. And he said, yeah, Terry, he's a bragger. There's a kid, you know, I'm in ninth grade. He's probably in about seventh grade. And, and it made me think. And so, why can't we just come to the middle of the road? Guess what I did? I came to the middle of the road and I kept on going. <laughs> and now in the other side, see? And, and actually, actually, from about the time I graduated high school and to the present hour, I've had to deal more, you ask my wife, she'll tell you, I've had to deal more with the inferiority side of things. And I'll tell you, in either ditch, you can't receive from God. You understand? And, and, and you know, I'll, I'll just, I have this in my notes, just listen to this. Talk from the ditch. Talk from the ditch. Talk from the ditch. Did you know when you're in either ditch whether it's pride or inferiority, both have the eye disease. I said both have the eye disease. Talk from the ditch. Pride says, I'm the only one God will bless. Inferiority says, I'm the only one God will not bless. And in both ditches, I hear that word I. And I'll tell you right now, if you've got a problem with pride, you've got a problem with the eye disease. And if you have a problem, really, and this is very subtle, but if you have a problem with inferiority, you have a problem with the eye disease. I'm not good enough. I'm wonderful. 
And, and I've met people on both sides. I remember of a lady years ago who, who attended the church many years back. And she really did. She, she, she thought that the sun rose and set upon her. I mean, she really did. She thought that she was God's gift to everybody. And uh, I've never met anybody quite like this before or since. But, I mean, she really did. She thought that, that, that the world revolved around her. And uh, she was an older, older up in years lady, but uh, I, I've never, never met anybody quite like that. And, uh, and uh, uh, it was interesting because when I'd spend a lot of time with the Lord and, and I'd get around this person, there was just like a, like a resistance when I'd get around her. I never told anybody except my wife. It just like there was a resist. But you say I was spending a lot of time with God and when I get around this lady, you know, you spend a lot of time with God. Uh, what does God do? He and uh, and then I've met folks that won't even look you in the eye. You walk you you walk up to them, they won't look you in the eye. See, they're they've got a problem with what do you think, pride or inferiority? Inferiority. And I'm telling you, we all deal with this. And, and we all do. To one degree or the other, one side or the other, we tend all tend to one side or the other. And uh, really, it's a, it's a full-time job staying right in the middle of the road. Thinking highly of ourselves because of who we are in Jesus, but not too highly. It's a balancing act. Now, let's center in here a little bit on pride. Notice I said the eye disease... I guess the, the people with pride in the pride ditch have more trouble with this eye disease. Notice Isaiah 14, verse 12. And many of you are familiar with this, but just want to look at Scripture here. Uh, remember Satan, the devil? He was first an, you know, he's an angel, all right. But he was actually, I, I believe, the angel of the Lord, God's personal angel. He was over the worship of heaven, evidently. And he fell and, uh, from Lucifer. You see, his name was Lucifer. And then when he, when he got kicked out, what does God do to the prideful? He resists them, right? And, and Lucifer, you know, he, he's now known as Satan or the devil, a fallen angel now. But notice here in Isaiah 14, 12, and I know you, many of you are familiar with this, but just as we read this, notice, count up how many times you hear the word I. Now notice this, how are you fallen Fallen from heaven. Well, doesn't the Bible say that pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall? How are you fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How are you cut down to the ground, you who weaken the nations? For you have said in your heart, now notice, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit in the mount of the congregation on the farther sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. How many eyes did you count in there? Was there five of them? Five eyes. I, 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 that eye disease as it's called. And then verse 15, yet you shall be brought down to Sheol or to hell, to the lowest depths of the pit. So, see, pride goes before destruction 
and a haughty spirit before a fall. See, see, Lucifer had a problem with pride, didn't he? And it cost him. Now notice in Ezekiel 28, Ezekiel 28 verse 11 gives us a little more on this. Look at Ezekiel 28, 11. We get a little more on this. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, take up a lamentation for the king of Tyre. This is verse 12, Isaiah 28, 12. And say to him, thus says the Lord God, you were the seal of perfection. Now this is actually talking about Lucifer. You were the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Now that's not talking about the garden of Eden. That's talking, actually, I believe, see when God made the earth, it's a copy of heaven, I believe. And God has a garden in heaven. Doesn't he have a heavenly temple or tabernacle? And he gave Moses a pattern of that, didn't he? And this Eden here is, is I don't believe he's talking about the garden of Eden because when we see Lucifer in the garden of Eden, he's not dressed like this. He's dressed in snakeskin. Notice, you were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering. The sardis, topaz, diamond, beryl, onyx, jasper, sapphire, turquoise, emerald with gold. The workmanship of your timbrels and pipes was prepared for you on the day you were created. Beautiful angel here. A beautiful angel. Just, just beautiful. Just beautiful. And then notice verse 14. You were, you were the anointed cherub who covers. And God says, I established you. You were on the holy mountain of God. You walked back and forth in the midst of the fiery stones. You were perfect in your ways from the day you were created till what? Till iniquity was found in you. What was that iniquity? It starts with the letter P. Pride. Pride. And then skip to verse 17 and notice says your heart was what? Was lifted up because of your beauty. You corrupted your wisdom for the sake of your splendor. I cast you to the ground. I laid you before kings that they, that they might gaze at you. Now did God cast him out? Yes. Why did God cast him out? I mean God made him beautiful. It wasn't because of the beauty, it was because of that beauty, his heart was what? Lifted up in pride, you see, and it cost him. It cost him and he got, he got kicked out, didn't he? He got kicked out of heaven. He got booted out. God resisted him, didn't he? It cost him. It cost him. See, pride, pride is so subtle. But I tell you what. It, what do they say? It's the only disease that, that when people have it, they don't know it. It doesn't affect the person that has it, but everybody around them. Is that right? Your heart was lifted up because of your beauty. And because of that beauty and that, that anointing that he had. And, and, and uh, uh, I, I've, watched, I've watched ministers over the years. You know, who, who God gave them such talents and such gifts and speaking gifts and, and all kinds of, you know, uh, of talents and things. And, and, uh, and, and they just, you know, they, they could just hold a crowd spellbound. You know what I mean? And, and they began to get that eye disease. And, and, uh, and I've seen them again and again fall by the wayside. I've seen them again and again fall by the wayside. I, I've watched, uh, you need to realize this too, that, See, Lucifer was a, uh, 
was a musician, wasn't he? Wasn't he? Yeah. You know, uh, he was a musician. And uh, I've watched him over the many, many years in many churches and many places, many, many, many places where, you know, God gives a musician talent to play an instrument or to sing or, or lead worship. And, and, and I have to believe that Lucifer was a worship leader, you know, over, uh, over, over the heavenly choir, if you will, the heavenly angelic choir. And uh, you can see he was beautiful. He had no doubt talent, anointing, the whole, the whole package. And uh, his heart was lifted up because of his what? Because of his beauty, the talents and all of that was lifted up. And then he said, I will, I will, I will, I will. And, and who was he I willing against? He was I willing against Almighty God. Isn't that right? And it cost him, didn't it? It cost him. And the interesting thing about this is uh, you need to realize that pride, the thing about pride, and now we're talking about pride now, but pride and inferiority, pride draws unto itself. Inferiority repels. Did you get what I just said? Pride draws unto itself. Inferiority repels. If somebody's in the ditch of pride, what they will do is they'll draw people unto themselves because after all, I'm so, I'm so spectacular, I'm so wonderful, I'm so fantastic that everybody would want to be around me. And what is that doing? That's drawing to yourself. Inferiority repels. Inferiority is, well, you know, hey, somebody calls you on the phone. See, I've been in this ditch more in my adult years. I've already had uh, folks, pastors, you know, call me on the phone, want to want to have a relationship, play golf. And it's not that I'm prideful or anything. It's just, it's just I've, I'm just telling you where I'm at, you know, and where, what I've had to deal with is I can't believe, you know, they'd want to have anything to do with me. You understand? So these are things we, sometimes I think it's helpful if I share with you things I've dealt with, it'll help you. Amen. See, like today I had the opportunity to play with a, uh, I seldom play golf on Wednesday, but I have an opportunity today to play golf with a, with a pastor from uh, Australia. He has like 6,000 people in his church, $40 million a year budget, <laughs> you know, just 6,000 people in his church, 40 million, I mean, just rocking that place. And see, I, there's a day where if I'd have been invited, I, well, I don't know why they would have, want to have anything to do with me and I wouldn't have went. See, but I've had to, you've got to stay where? In the middle of the road. Then see, you've got to be watchful. Now watch how subtle this is. I mean, good example here. Guess what I got to do today? Guess who I got to play with? See? Huh? Huh? It's so easy. Huh? To be in one ditch or the other. Something we all have to deal with. Pride, inferiority. Did you hear me? Uh, this isn't in my notes, but I, I'll just say it. Have you ever met somebody that drops names? Name droppers? You know what I mean? You know, well, I know so-and-so. Actually, a lot of times what that is is actually pride and inferiority operating at the same time. They drop the name 
you know, I, I know so-and-so. Or I got to do this with so-and-so. Well, by na- you know what I mean by name-dropping? How many knows what I... When somebody does that, one th- the, the pride aspect of it is, is they're telling you, guess who I know? Guess who I got to be with? That's pride, isn't it? And also with that name-dropping... Inferiority kicks in there because what they're also telling you is that they don't feel they're good enough to stand on their own. They have to associate themselves with... Did you get what I just said? And, uh, I I mean, uh, the Lord dealt with me back a long time ago about the name dropping because there was a rather large ministry in the area that that helped us. And I got up and said, you know, that ministry helped us. And... and, uh, he, you know, you don't don't drop names. Say amen. amen. No, let's just you know know who we are in Christ. Amen? amen. And think highly of ourselves, but not more highly than we ought. Now think about Lucifer. See, pride draws. You can read this in the book of Revelation. What did he do? He drew, you ought to look it up, Revelation 12.4. Revelation 12.4, his tail, this is talking about the devil, Lucifer, who became Satan. His tail drew a third of the stars, and that word stars is symbolic. It's talking about uh, uh, angels. His tail drew a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. See, what does pride do? Pride Pride draws. What did he do to a third of the angels of heaven? He drew them unto himself, didn't he? And a third of them bought in, did they not? And pride goes before a fall. And notice, notice in, if you want to, you can look up Jude verse 6. There's only one chapter. Jude verse 6 talks about the angels did not keep their proper domain but left their own abode. He has reserved, God's reserved them in everlasting chains under darkness for the judgment of the great day. Pride will cost you. you hear me? Uh, manifestation of pride. I already heard this. I already know it. I need to hear it again. What is, what is that? That's a subtle thing, but what is it? It's pride. pride. See, I've already, I've, I've been ministering a long time, many years, and, and when I see people sitting there, really it's just a manifestation of pride. I learned a long time ago when a minister stands up there, I hang on every word. Did you hear me? See, pride will cost you. It's very subtle, isn't it? And, and it, it, it drew. So if you're in that pride ditch, what's the cure for it? The cure for it is true Bible humility and servanthood. True Bible humility and servanthood. Look at Matthew 18, verse 1. Matthew 18, verse 1. This is very interesting, I think. Because see, if you're in pride or you're in inferiority, you can't receive from God. So we need to stay in the middle of the road. Matthew 18, verse 1. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus saying, Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Did you know that Jesus' disciples had problems with pride? Do you know they did? Do you know they got into arguments over who was going to be the greatest? Didn't they? 
I mean, I could take you to various scriptures where they had lots. They had they argued about who was going to be the greatest. James and John, one wanted to sit on Jesus' right hand and one on the left. Is that correct? Is that right? And remember, uh, then they got their, evidently got their mama to come ask. Is, is that right? Huh? And, and mama, she might have had a little problem with pride too, wanting her boys to have the chief spots. Is that right? And they got into arguments again. Who's going to be the greatest? Who's going to be the greatest? Who's going to be the greatest? What's the cure for this, this pride thing? You know, what's, what's the cure for it? It's true Bible humility and servanthood. Notice Matthew 18, verse 1. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus saying, Who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Jesus called a little child to him. See, he's going to give them the answer for this pride thing. Got the little child, set him in the midst of them, and said, Assuredly, I say to you, Unless you are converted and become as little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever, what, humbles himself as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. So what is the cure for pride? It's Bible humility. Doesn't the Bible say, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may, what, exalt you? In due season. So it's a humbling. It's a humbling. It's a humbling. Well, you might say, well, Pastor, how how do I humble myself? Well, what you do is you become a servant. That's how you do it. You become a servant. See, humble people serve. If you want to find uh, uh, the, the manifestation of humility you find people who are serving. Did you hear me? That's, that, is, that is the cure for pride, is become a servant. Uh, Jesus gave a parable to his disciples. We, we could look it up, but sake of time, you can look it up and study it. He said, when you go to a wedding feast, he was talking to his disciples privately. He said, when you get invited to the wedding feast, He said, when you go in there, don't look for the best seats. He said, take a place in the back or in a lesser area. How many remembers that parable? He said, because if you walk in there and you sit at the chief seat, somebody that is uh, maybe, you know, maybe the governor will come in or somebody, you know, that may outrank you. And then the guy that threw the party is going to have to ask you to step down. And that's humiliating, isn't it? But he said, if, you're, if you take a lesser seat and then the guy that threw the party comes in and asks you to move up to the front, then that's honor, isn't it? So don't seek the, the, the best seats. Don't seek the best positions. Uh, what should we be looking for? Actually, I, I've learned this. Look, look for the least thing. Look for the least thing. Look for the least thing. You know what I'm saying? And serve in that area. And uh, that, that will, uh, I tell you what, that'll, that'll help break a, pri- a pride. pride. See, a uh, manifestation of pride is, has to be seen. Has to be in the front. Not willing to work behind the scenes. Has to be seen. Has to have, see people in the pride ditch have to have a title. They want a title. They want a title. Do you understand? Somebody asked me one time why I don't put titles on people around here of, you know, deacons and elders and all of that. 
I mean, we, we, we have them. You know, it, uh, you know, a deacon. Let's just talk about this for a minute. Deacon. What does that mean? It means a servant. See, now like I use the Francis's. They're my example. Dale and Donna Francis. See, they're Bible deacons. You understand that? They're servants. They serve. They came to me originally when they first came to the church and, and they felt God directed them to come here. They said, now, we feel God's directed us to come, but we just can't come if we can't serve. You know, they wanted to serve, volunteer in any way that they can. Do you, do you see what I'm saying? And, 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 and they're going to do that whether you put a title on them or not. Is that correct? And I've watched, and this doesn't apply to them, but I've watched good people that you put a title on them and it, it changes them. I've watched more than one uh, uh, pe- person once, uh, I've watched several of them over the years in different churches, once folks started calling them pastor, it did something. I saw one guy, at one point, he would, he, I, I watched this guy in a certain church, he was up scrubbing the grout in the, on the tile. That takes, that takes a humble person doing it for free. And, and that same person, in the process of time, got a title of youth pastor. People started calling him pastor. I saw that same person, see what pride will do to you, that same person who at one time was down scrubbing grout, walked along and there was a napkin. And I asked him, I, well, <laughs> I asked him and I said, would you please pick that up? And he said, that's, that's, that's not my job. That's not for me. You see what pride will do? See what, what a title will do? I didn't mean to give that away that it was somebody that I dealt with, but it was a long time ago. So, See, and he got a title. And it, it, he wasn't the same after that. See, I've never asked anybody to call me pastor. Have I? Have I ever asked anybody? Said, and I never will. Just as long as you don't call me too late to eat. Okay, you okay? Something else I want to say. I just have a few minutes left here. Uh, but, but let's see if you got it. What's the true cure for pride? Being a humble servant. And, and, and seeking something where you don't need to be seen. I, I tell you what, I, I, just be watchful. Listen to what the Spirit of God's saying. Be watchful about hanging around people that, ha, that, are, that are prideful and that are lifted up in pride. I can guarantee you one thing. It, it'll get off on you if you hang around them. It'll get off on you. It will. And, and if, you, if you're sitting there saying, well, it could never happen to me, you're next on the hit list. Did you hear me? Be real watchful, okay? Uh, now, uh, what was the cure for pride again? Humble servant. Now, we'll talk just briefly about inferiority and, and how to deal with that because a lot of people, really, there's probably, to tell you the truth, there's probably more people that deal with the inferiority than the other one. But I did want to say something to you about be watchful of false humility. An example of false humility. Oh, I'm just so no good. I'm just so no good. I can't believe anybody would uh, want to have anything. See, that sounds humble, but that's not humble, is it? What is that? That's in, when I, I'm just so no good. I'm just so no good. 
I'm just so no good. See, it sounds humble, but it's a false humility and it's, inf- it's inferiority. Now, here's another one that I've had to deal with. I've had to deal with that one, but here's another one that I've had to deal with. We show up at the golf course. Nobody's seen me play in that group, and they ask me, are you any good? Well, I'm just not all that good. Well, these things are subtle now. I'm not all that good. And secretly, I just can't wait to get up there and blast it about 300 yards right down the middle and then have them go, whoo, 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 boy, yeah, he said he was no good. See, really, that was pride. Did you hear? Boy, these things are so subtle. They get to the intents of the heart, don't they? Huh? Now, inferiority. Remember I told you back about the time, oh, I guess about 12th grade is where, where I got into, took me, took me from about the 7th grade and then about by the 12th grade I'd gotten a ditch on the other side with inferiority and uh, the devil would shoot fiery darts, thoughts at me. God doesn't really care about you. There's so many people in the world. He doesn't, how can he keep track of all these people? How can he, he so many people, he doesn't have time for you. And you know, you start listening to that and start buying into that, it can, I tell you what, it can get you to the point where you're in that inferiority ditch. And can you receive from God over there? No. Well, God will do things for other people, but He won't do them for, for me. God will hear other people when they pray, but He won't hear me. Do you know this can, I tell you what, this, listen to me. I, I get down on my knees. I'll beg you, don't ever buy into that. Did you hear me? Because you buy into that, that God doesn't love you, God doesn't care about you, God, God isn't going to listen to you, God isn't going to hear you. Now, don't get in the ditch over here that, that, that you're the only one that you think God will listen to. You hear me? But you get into this where, where God, won't, God doesn't really care about me. You know, there's so many people in the world. How can he keep... How to, you, you know, you understand? Because I bit into that years ago. And it's taken me years to climb myself out of that ditch and get myself back in the middle of the road. And if I don't, now listen to me, if I don't keep a handle on myself, it's like people with pride. If they don't keep a handle on themselves, they'll get right back in that ditch just that quick. And with me, see, I gotta, if I don't stay right in the middle of the road and hang on to the, you know, hang on to the, to the middle of the road, I'll just slip right back over. Did you hear me? Don't, Get in that ditch. It's a horrible, dark, horrible place to be. Romans 2.11. Go there. I'm almost done. Romans 2.11. I'll read this from the uh, New King James. It says, There is no what? There is no partiality with God. These are some scriptures. This one here will help you as much as any. Meditate on it. If you're having trouble with inferiority... There is no what with God? Does God play favorites? No. Now, can I tell you why God apparently blesses one and doesn't the other? God is no respecter of persons, but He is a respecter of faith. So if God's blessing this person and not blessing this one, it's not because He loves one more than the other. It's because... God is no... Well, this would be something good to write down. He's no respecter of persons, but He is a respecter of faith. 
And so if you've got somebody that's operating the principles of the Word of God, then the blessing of God will flow. If you've got somebody else over here who's just lopping around and not operating the principles of God, then the, then the blessing won't flow. And you look in and you don't, you don't see behind the scenes. You think, well, God loves the one more than the other. Uh-uh. He's a res- no respecter of persons, but he is a respecter of what? Faith. Of faith. Also, this will help you too. You've got to realize that with God that he gives different assignments to different people. I've had to learn this. I'll just speak from the ministry aspect. You know, like that guy that I played with today at golf, and I normally don't do that on Wednesday, but I did today because I had an opportunity. See, that man has a different assignment than me. Do you understand? Did, did you hear what I just said? See? And, and so... If, you know, you can look at, well, this, this guy has a gazillion people going to this church and this guy doesn't. Well, it doesn't mean one is more successful than the other. It just means that they've got different what? Assignments. Did, did, did you get that? So whatever God has assigned to you, just be the best at it you can be. The NIV says God does not show favoritism. The, the King James says there's no respect of persons with God. Romans 2.11 in the Living Bible says God treats everyone the same, and He does. He is no respecter of persons, but He is a respecter of what? Faith. And uh, the thing that blesses me on this is, do you remember the Pharisees said this of Jesus? We know that you don't respect anyone's person. Do you remember? Which leads me to believe that they tried to get Him to play favorites. Because I know the Pharisees. I know how they operate. They tried to get him to play favorites and he wouldn't. Aren't you glad Jesus is no respecter of persons? And then James 2 and 9 says, If you show partiality, you commit sin. Does God commit sin? No. So, you know, we need to understand and realize that if we're having problems with inferiority, what we need to do is we need to meditate this scripture. And then there's other scriptures that we can meditate. The Bible says God knows when one sparrow falls. Is that right? And didn't Jesus say we're of more value than many sparrows? Meditate on that. Doesn't the Bible say, you can look these scriptures up on your own, the hairs of our head are numbered? Does the Bible say that, did Jesus say that God will leave, the good shepherd will leave the 99 sheep for the one that went astray? Is God a personal God? Does he care about you? Does the Bible say that he knows your name? And then we'll close right here, Isaiah 49, 14. Go there. I hope this helped you tonight. We all need to hear this from time to time. Because I'm telling you, it's so easy to get in one ditch or the other. Now, now I feel impressed to say this. And I'm just going to say this. There's some people here tonight that, that your thoughts, thoughts, just as you've been sitting. Well, this doesn't really apply directly to my situation. But I feel like the Spirit of God wanted me to say that this this is the message you needed to hear. Because, listen, this message doesn't apply to your situation on the surface, but this right here is, has been the root of your problem. 
Did you get did you get that? Did you get that? Did you get that? See, I learned this about the Holy Spirit years ago. He does not deal with symptoms. He deals with root causes. The power of God doesn't deal with symptoms. It deals with root causes. See, I might have preached a different message tonight that helped your symptom. But it wouldn't deal with the root. And so we can cure the symptom, but if you don't deal with the root, guess what? The symptom is going to come back. Did, did, I'm telling you, you need to listen to what the Spirit of God's saying now. Did you get that, what I just said? All right. Look at this, Isaiah 49, 14. Isaiah 49, 14. But Zion, now who's Zion? Type of the church. Church, talking to church, really said, the Lord has forsaken me and my Lord has forgotten me. See, that's inferiority. You know, oh, the Lord's forgot about me. He's forsaken me. He's forgot about me. He's not concerned about my deal. And then he goes on to say, can a woman forget her nursing child? What's the answer to that? No. no. And not have compassion on the son of her womb? No. Surely they may forget, yet I'll not forget you. Now, what more do we need? God just told us that a woman might forget her nurse... Now, how would a woman forget her nursing child or, or the son of her womb? How would a woman forget? And God said they might forget, but God won't. So you need to know He's a personal God. He knows you. He knows your name. He knows where you live. He knows your situation. He knows what you're going through. And He's seen you in that midnight hour when you just, you just can't go... Think like you can't go another step. He, he's there for you, okay? Don't forget that. And then he goes on, I like verse 16, I've inscribed you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are continually, or your being is continually before me. Isn't that a wonderful place to be? We're etched on the palms of his hands. Well, I hope this helped you in some way. Praise God. Ushers, come. We'll receive the tithes and offerings. If you make it out a check, you can make it out to Summit Church or SC. If you need an envelope to get a record of your giving, if you're giving cash, you can raise your hand. The ushers will get you one. Father, we thank you for the opportunity uh, to receive tithes and offerings. And as people are faithful to be tithers and givers, we know you're faithful.